WTBC Radio is sponsored by Live Bar. If you happen to be in the Salem area, please consider attending the Healthy Living and Gluten-Free Expo at the Cascade Hall here in beautiful Salem, Oregon on March 3rd, starting at 10 a.m. That's right. At this fantastic expo, you will be able to not only enjoy and discuss excellent food choices and options with people who make Cafe Yum or work at the Life Source Natural Food Store uh, or even Live Bar, uh, but you'll also be able to uh, find out about local businesses that are interested in healthy lifestyle choices, not just the food options as well. Uh, we're talking yoga studios, we're talking uh, live tech experiential learning, uh, breweries, uh, all sorts of things that are based right here in the area that are not just about food, but are also interested in helping you live a healthier life. Now, one way that you can do that is by incorporating Live Bars into your regular diet. So, what you'll want to do to find out more information about this event and our sponsor, go to livebars.com, that's L-I-V-B-A-R-S.com, and they'll find all sorts of ordering information and how you can participate or just simply attend the Healthy Living Gluten-Free Expo here in Salem, Oregon. Live Bar. Eat real food. It's a live performance by Four Dimensional Nightmare. And a rare interview, too. Sci-fi soundscapes and music folding in on itself. Are you asleep? Is this real? It probably goes without saying that the life of an artist is often very lonely. When your friends are outside enjoying the wonderful sunny day that has suddenly cropped up, you're indoors because you've got to knock out a draft or because you've got to finish mixing a song. Sometimes a painting is just coming along and you can't break from it right just yet. Uh, there's too much to do. Uh, this is... The problem we all suffer from when we are artists, we, uh, we've got to keep making our stuff. And sometimes the rest of the world gets in the way a little bit. You know, There's so much that is often kind of foisted upon us in terms of responsibility and expectation. Eventually, we reach this state where we're kind of like, frenzied with this need for time to ourselves just to create please anything just give us some time and this stuff really starts to strangle you after a while you know i mean like you come home every day hoping that you're gonna get a little bit more done have a little bit more time to yourself and uh pretty soon all these responsibilities hit it's garbage day yeah, fuck, I gotta get the recycling together. You know, it's uh it's just one of those things that uh every time you think you've got it covered, 
uh, something else goes off and it's just one thing after another and the world just loves to fill your day with things that you've got to do for someone else. But that time to spend creating, to spend making, to, to spend, you know, just figuring out what your next step is, oh, that's, a, that's a tricky thing to do, you know? Like, for all of your preparation and practice and hope that, you know, everything is going to, you know, somehow get uh, taken care of on its own, there's just a certain amount of time every day that you've got to devote towards maintenance towards making sure that there's going to be food to eat and the bills are paid and all that crap. Time seems to be something that uh, no matter how we slice it, we're always looking for ways to manipulate it, to uh, control it, to make it do something for us so that we don't have to be stuck with all of this nonsense over and over and over again. The biggest challenge with being an artist is that finding time to have friendships is also a challenge. Meeting up with people, uh, seeing how they're doing, uh, finding a way to interact with those that uh, are a part of your life is just you know, not always easy. People give you a call at the last minute and you want to say yes, but there's also like a million deadlines. <laughs> uh, trying to explain this to someone, even someone you love or close to you, is very challenging, you know? I mean, like, they definitely see the world in one way and your single-mindedness, your uh, uh, focus on the thing that you do can often be seen as almost blinding you to the rest of the world. And it is. But what you get out of it, can anyone deny the value of that? If you want it, you can have it, but you gotta learn to reach out there and grab it. If you are looking for professional photography and contemporary style and glamour, then J. Jean Portraits is your destination. Based right here in Salem, Oregon, just like this podcast, J. Jean Portraits can offer the right kind of photos for the project that you have in mind. Family photography, personal branding, magazine style fantasy photo shoots, band photography, J. Jean Portraits wants you to look and feel your absolute best, and they know that professional work at a reasonable cost is the way for you to get there. WTBC radio listeners will be able to take advantage of a contest where they will be able to enter and win a photography package by J. Jean Portraits. Please keep listening for contest details and how you can win these awesome, awesome deals. But until then, please visit jjeanportraits.com for a dazzling gallery of photos that will help you decide what kind of photography package will work best for you. Home, business, or just because you're feeling sassy, J. Jean Portraits will deliver these perfect snaps every single time. That's jjeanportraits.com, a professional look tailored specifically for you. I first saw Four Dimensional Nightmare about five years ago and have since become 
quite good friends with them. Uh, you know, we've uh, unfortunately had to limit all of our interactions to, you know, radio and performance type things. But the, you know, the things that we've been able to do and see and share together through radio, through music and through art uh, have really helped strengthen each other to the point where now on the program, I actually got an interview out of him, something I've never been able to do in the past. Um, and not that he hasn't done interviews, but just, you know, there's, uh, he's a quiet man. And uh, the music really speaks for him in a big way. This is someone who is really dedicated to their art. That, that, that Their art really takes a big place in their lives. And they they do what they can to kind of create new sounds, to find new ways to make something that really is specifically about them. You know, I mean... Whatever your opinion is of the particular style of music that we are performing when we get down with our experimental selves, uh, when you listen to Four Dimensional Nightmare, regardless of the tone and the shape and whatnot, you hear an artist at work expressing themselves in a very specific and particular way that speaks volumes of these characters that are otherwise just kind of the background dressing of our lives as we move back and forth between running errands and trying to make sure that our groceries are picked up so that we can get back home and get back to our own precious art. I think the benefit of being able to experience four-dimensional nightmare is not just that you get to watch and enjoy another piece of art made by someone else that you like, which... For me, that's definitely part of it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, this is something where, you know, we're expecting you to think about songs in a different way. We're expecting you to approach this kind of soundscape uh, with different notions of what musicality can be. I think the most difficult thing to try to explain to somebody is that when they encounter the work that you make, that really is what we meant it to be like. <laughs> That's a bit of a theme on this show, but uh, it's something that I feel very strongly about. You know, we all make stuff with the knowledge that this is how it's going to turn out. You know, we're aware of the form and the shape that it takes. And uh, I think with Four Dimensional Nightmare, that is absolutely apparent at every step of the way. The music that you hear when uh, you get to experience four-dimensional nightmare, you know, it's not going to be on a pop radio station. You're not going to put this on when you're in the mood and you want to snuggle up to someone you care about. Well, maybe. But my point being is that when you put on four-dimensional nightmare, you actually get to see the world through a different set of eyes. You actually get to hear music through a different set of ears. And the power of sound to do that is something that, no matter how old I get, I will never tire of hearing this. WTBC Radio in beautiful anywhere, anywhere. These recordings were made in the Lava Lamp Lounge on January 21st, 2018.
WTBC Radio is also sponsored by Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce. Locally made in Portland, Oregon, Peggy's Sauce is 100% vegan and 100% ready for you to experience a taste explosion you'll want again and again. Available in three flavors, Hotter Melon, Ghostberry, Five Star Gary, Carolina Reaper. That's with avocados. Don't forget to mark your calendars for March 18th, 2018 for the spring seasonal release. Have some of Peggy's vegan hot sauce on pop-up menu items only available on this night. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think uh, you should check it out. It's going to be at the Twilight Cafe in Portland, Oregon. And I think if you like this kind of sauce, you're going to have a great time. For more information about Peggy's Sauce, including ordering inquiries, please visit Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce, all one word, on either Facebook or Instagram. Let me say it one more time, Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce, when you need a little something with an extra kick. WTBC. I want to. I guess I want to talk about. Um, so the first time we did a recording together, you brought a guitar and you brought all these devices, and I was like very excited about this. I was like, okay, I like I like this. Um, over the years, I don't think you've brought the same stuff. No, I've <laughs> and, never I've never owned the same stuff. And and we've done I think four shows now together. Yep. Uh, over the years, and. Uh, it's weird to watch the evolution of your your little your gear. It's it's it, I, um. So you say you you sell stuff a lot. I I think that's just an indication of my impatience and desire for change because I sell stuff all the time and I I use the money to buy new stuff. Right. And consequently, hopefully, practice on it long enough for the next show. Yeah. But that's why every time people see me who every year or so always comment that it doesn't look like what I brought <laughs> Right, time. right. And, well, the, and it makes predicting the sound a little bit different, too, because like, I'm like, I think I know what four-dimensional nightmare <laughs> is. And no, then... Nobody does. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and the, the guitar, I still love my guitar, and I, I actually played a show at No Fest uh, this last year where they asked me to come and play guitar, so I, I got it out and dusted it off and nice. checked all the pedals, and it was really fun to play it. And it's certainly not in my past. I, I love my guitar, but I'm just so wrapped up in mostly modular synthesis right now that I'm just I'm just kind of absorbing myself. Now, are you that. you're building these from kits that you you order? Or? I don't usually get the kits. Some some okay. of the really hardcores get DIY kits where you solder it all sure. and put it together. I don't know how to solder, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I mean, buy I my my memories of soldering are so far. <laughs> I haven't done it in years. Eighth grade shop yeah, class, maybe, but exactly. So I'm I I have well I have three things mainly. I have my big box of modules, which you saw was full, mm-hmm. and those you buy the modules one at a time, and you find good ways to patch them into other modules and. It, it takes a lot of work, which is really fun, to research what you want to put in there and what kinds of sounds you can make. But it never sounds the same twice, and nobody's got two the same. So I, I, yeah. I love that it's so individual. Well, and even people who get stuff from the same companies, when I've been at shows and they have like, oh, I, we both got Trogtronics yeah. gear or whatever, 
they don't sound anything the same when they play no. that same gear. <laughs> and, and no, nobody sounds like me, and I don't know if I sound like anybody else. I don't know if that, that's good or bad. But and I, have, I have two other instruments that are that can work with that because they're what they call semi-modular. Mm. Uh, you can patch into them. They have patch base for the cables that, that attach the modules to each other. Uh, so you can run those and have them go in sync. Mm-hmm. With uh, with your bigger module box, and you probably use like control voltage to uh, change some of these yeah. uh, interactions. There's always two types of signals going around: the audio and the CV. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes the CV can produce noises even better than the audio. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, um, for people who like abrasive sounds and distorted sounds and weird sounds pretty much going with these modular boxes are the best way to because i mean once you think you've plateaued in terms of how strange you can make something just turn one more dial and you're in a whole new realm (laughs) and it's not only the equipment but it's the player because i go to these shows in seattle called modular on the spot where it'll be Mm. eight or nine or ten different it has to be modular they have a rule and nothing non-modular in the show Right. And at least half of the people are usually very ambient, mm-hmm. much more relaxing than what I do. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and I don't really know how to do that, but I really appreciate it when it's done well. And it's, it's almost new agey, but a lot more this is complex the, than most of that. This is the dirty secret of electronic artists, is that like new age is a real strong vein that runs through it that mm-hmm. some people tend to ignore yeah. uh, for one reason or another. And... Um, I mean, I think it depends. One of the other interests that I think you and I share is of science fiction. And uh, New Age, for a while, was kind of the soundtrack to sci-fi for a bit. Oh, yeah. And then I think... um, once you get to kind of like skinny puppy, it starts to diverge. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that's where I jump on, right, right? Right. Right about there. Yeah, yeah. I started with Throbbing Gristle and went to skinny puppy from, sure. from there and never went anywhere else. Yeah. Well, and those two bands right there alone kind of break open your mind as a younger artist. Th- sure. Those were two bands that did what practically nobody can claim, which is invent something new. Yeah. From scratch. Um, yeah. I think both of those bands did that, and I love them both. What's funny is that I think that when kids discover them now, they still feel that, you know? Like, I don't yeah. think they've aged badly, you know? Like, Throbbing Gristle still feels transgressive to me. It still feels like, what am I listening to? Where, <laughs> where am I going with this, and you it's know? Ni- and it's 1975. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a while before that feels dated. You know, because there's something. I yeah, I don't think it is. And you, you listen to other stuff from that era that you, you liked. And I'm 55, so I was right there in mm-hmm. 75 in the late 70s. And uh, yeah, you listen to some of it now that you thought was okay. And it's just. And it did not work as well <laughs> as it did then. <laughs> one, one good benefit out of being from there is I, I saw the original Patti Smith group. Oh, yeah. Which, which is rare. I saw them in 79. We should talk about this a little bit because we were off mic uh, talking about shows, mm-hmm. and um, your age range for seeing shows must have been a huge influence on your path as an artist. Because like, you're not. I mean, Patti Smith is one example, mm-hmm. but like everything coming out from the late seventies through to now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's a wide range because I'm getting old. Well, and you've had opportunities to see these things, everything from like house shows to stadium concerts. Mm-hmm. So was there something that, um, as you were coming up, um, you know, I think I've heard that you played in other groups before this. Yeah. Uh, so there was, there something that made you go, 
you know, maybe a group isn't quite, maybe I wanted to go solo. What, was there an inciting idea there or? There, there really wasn't a, mo a moment. I played in several bands when I was in my 20s. Yeah. Uh, I took a break for about 10 years when I was married and had three kids. Right. <laughs> so there wasn't a lot of time and I kind of fell out of the scene. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and then later in my life, I just decided, I, I still had my guitar and amp and I decided to go buy a keyboard uh, and a drum machine. And this was about 10 years ago. Nice. And an eight track recorder. And so you went all in. I just, like... <laughs> I just did. I'm going to make, I thought, you know what? I'm going to make 10 or 12 songs um, and share them with my friends on a homemade CD or something and have a little project. Right. And now I've recorded over 600 songs on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, don't, they don't all this, fit this anywhere. Little project yeah, this little has project has turned and into. <laughs> and a lot, of, a lot more equipment has yeah. been gathered along the way, but it's still the same guitar. Yeah, and we should talk. Uh, the, the bands you were in before were more rock and roll oriented, or was M it. More like. What, I was in a band called the Puddleheads, mm -hmm. and we called ourselves Buddhist Punk. <laughs> I we, love it. I we, love we, it. We tried to be a little <laughs> experimental in our theory, like playing play, playing minor keys and oh, okay, F, okay. time signatures and stuff. And yet, we still tried to play as fast as we could. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a lot of that kind of experimentalism happening in the '80s, where people liked punk rock, mm -hmm. but they were like. What else can we do with right. punk rock? So much, so much of punk rock is three chord, and, and, right. and they're, they're, you can have a, you can have a aggressive attitude and, and mm -hmm. do a little more with that. So Puddleheads was more kind of like punk rock, and you did kind of those kind of groups beforehand. Yeah, yeah. And and our big claim to fame in Puddleheads was that they opened for one of my all time favorite Seattle bands, which was Tad. Oh, hey, Tad's a that's kind of not no pun intended. That's kind of a big deal. Well, I just I just uh -huh. talked to Kurt, their drum or their bass player a couple of days ago we stayed in touch and mm. they were they should have been bigger than they were honestly yeah. if you if you stack them up against nirvana and soundgarden now they're just as good those records have something too that sounds a little more personal than soundgarden and nirvana it sounds like those friends were making a record rather yeah. than a band was making a record <laughs> their, 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 their origin was really interesting i've got a documentary about them that tells how the whole i should check that out i'm not together. i'm not familiar with that it's called uh oh i can't remember it's something about tenuitis it's tenuitis ears and ringing bells or something because kurt has tenuitis sure. they were known as the loudest band in town they were freaking out oh my gosh <laughs> and then taz's voice gets on top of that yeah doubles the volume Whew. that's you know th that is an also kind of amazing transformation to go through where you feel like you see you go you go through punk rock and post punk and it feels like it's dwindling and then suddenly this like late 80s underground starts popping up of people who they knew about punk rock but they mm -hmm. were trying something else they were kind of like i like credence too i like this other it you couldn't know. always be the same exactly maybe d boone was right maybe it's all good mm -hmm. well um you know i, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I, I i know i've joked about this before this is probably the longest on mic we've talked <laughs> it's it's by far because <laughs> i think before by far I've, the longest i've gotten maybe one or two words out of you uh so i don't want to push yeah. my luck okay uh, thank you but what i really appreciate uh bringing it back to four-dimensional nightmare is uh, um, you know, uh, you've kind of taken a sound that's almost like a science fiction-ish kind of sound, um, but you're not replicating exactly like the nostalgic sci-fi sounds that are popular. Like right. a lot of people now will grab that um, synth and they'll try to do that John Carpenter kind of uh, yeah. vibe. Or Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like they go like, hey, it's my sci-fi music. Um <laughs> 
I feel like in the same way that like we have Ubik, which is such a different kind of science fiction than mm -hmm. everything else of the time, that four dimensional nightmare music is kind of presenting a different kind of science fiction sound. Am I, is that yeah. an intentional kind of? When I hear that, and and I remember last year you mentioned science fiction sounds. I realized I never set up as science fiction one being one of my goals. <laughs> it just I'm seems just, to. Have, I'm not, just grabbing onto this. No, just, no. Now that when I hear it, then I listen to it, and mm. I and I don't think it's not true. I, and, okay. I, and I don't mind it. I, it's just it, it honestly wasn't a goal. Okay. <laughs> it was just I just wanted to play experimental things and, and work with my sounds and see what I could do with them and. I guess it got a little Doctor Who-ish or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it has a, a tiny bit of a Joe Meek kind of quality to it, where it really feels like it's from another planet in some oh, way. Oh, I like that. Um, well, but it kind of is. Yeah, but it, it doesn't sound so... It's not alienating. It's just sounds from, you know, somewhere <laughs> <Alien>. else. <laughs> um, and that's kind of something I think is really appealing uh, when you dig into this is that it's not just kind of like reiterating what electronic music is, but it's kind of like carving a niche going like, no, nope, this is what four dimensional nightmare is. <laughs> that, now that was my goal. <laughs> that was my goal. I wanted to be different than anybody. Yeah. Excellent. Um, you know, uh, let's see, I kind of feel like I've covered a lot of bases. If I was listening going like, Hmm, I need some more of this. Like, <laughs> where can I find your tunes? Like, is there a good place online for a resource or? There are a few. Um, if you type four dimensional nightmare into a Google search or whatever, you'll get about half me and half the book Ballard. Before, from which I ripped off the name <laughs> by J.D.G. Ballard. Which is worth um, hunting down as well. It is. I, I've got a copy of it. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's great. Yeah. In it's fact, out of print. They kind of work um, well in tandem, too. You know, like you put a little bit on and then read along with it, you yeah. know. <laughs> that, that was a goal, so... Um, now, what was the question again? Uh, just how to find the um Oh, the right. The, I have three web presences um if you go into reverbnation.com mm. and then type in my name four dimensional nightmare my page will come up i think i have over 100 songs on there so that's probably the best one and then also in bandcamp and soundcloud.com again just search for four dimensional nightmare and you'll find stuff on there yeah absolutely well and um uh, we'll put some links in the show notes as well so okay. people can find that um, uh, lastly, I do like to ask though about um, shows. Are you playing anywhere soon, or is this kind of no? It, I I went through a nice little flurry of shows in the summer and late fall, or mm. summer and early fall, right. and I, I have gone a couple months without one. I played like six shows in four months, which is a mm. all time record for this busy guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, like you know, uh, not relevant to the conversation, but we have lives outside of music, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like sometimes those lives take yeah, over a little. Exactly, bit. <laughs> it, it is much more. Uh, conducive in the in the summer so not right now no but i'm sure that i'll be i'll be out there somewhere in a couple of months somebody will call excellent well i'll, I'll close by asking this because i feel like this is a good um engagement a lot of times music artists will give musical recommendations but i'm much more curious what are you reading these days uh these days are my favorite ever <laughs> uh well we could go a little bit of both because okay. uh, well, I just gave copies of these books to my niece and nephew. Of the um, my favorite Philip Dick book is Valis. Mm, yeah, okay, that's kind of a mind changer, and so I'm yeah I'm rereading that again for the first time in a while. Mm -hmm. um, I actually haven't ever finished 
four-dimensional nightmare, so I really oh. need to get on that. Nice. Uh, and I'm reading one of my son's college manuals in physics and trying to stretch my brain a little bit. Mm. So, That's, I, I like, which I'm not very smart with, but he is. Some people limit themselves to just fiction or nonfiction. I like that you've got a little bit of each in both categories. Well, that's, my son's, <laughs> that's my son's influence. He, he was a physics major, and he, he's a genius. So got it. I, we... we, we Grew up in quantum physics in my house, going to lectures instead of ball games. Hey, and uh, so I, I still stick with that a lot too. I could uh, root, root root for a physicist much more than a home team. <laughs> <laughs> we did, we did. Excellent. Well, this has been very cool. Uh, thank you so much for chatting and, and uh, uh, conversating and and playing some awesome tunes. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. do it for us this week here on the program ah yes it's always fun to have live music on the show and i'm glad that that's working out as a feature of the program you know uh, i was nervous at first when uh i have a few interviews and then suddenly boom you get uh one of these uh live things that i like to do um i, I you know i wasn't quite sure how people were going to take it and then uh, I got a lot of responses from people that don't even really like experimental music necessarily. Who said, man, that was wild. I want to know more about that. And that was really my hope in making that a feature of the show. So I'm going I'm to try to make it at least once a month. We get to hear a little something uh, that uh, maybe, uh, maybe is new. Maybe is uh, something you've never heard of. Uh, you know, I would check... The show notes for this one because there uh, have been a few different collaborations that I've done with uh, Four Dimensional Nightmare over the years, as I indicated in the intro, and uh, they're all great. Uh, he's a very uh, unique and wonderful performer, and, and uh, I think that um, you know, hopefully, the interview uh, piqued your interest enough to uh, check this guy out. He's uh, he's definitely something else. Our opening theme music is by Paco and Laura Jones, and our closing music is by the band X. Please check us out on the interwaves at anywhereanywhen.wordpress.com. And, uh, you know, there's a number of other shows out there these days that I am doing, and, uh, you know, what can I say other than to suggest that you just kind of poke around? They're all over the place. I don't want to start getting into the habit of plugging every little thing on every other thing because <coughs> it feels unseemly uh but sometimes you got to let people know about this and that so um yeah uh please uh check around uh if you like what i do uh there's plenty out there and you know if you are enjoying this program why not come and see us do it live in front of an audience that's right february 28th here 
in Salem, Oregon at the Space Concert Club. Uh, we're doing a live show with uh, Sadgasm and Some Kind of Nightmare performing live and being interviewed for WTBC Radio and Beautiful Anywhere, Anyone. And please show up early because our comedy podcast is going to come out of the basement and attempt to make crude jokes in front of people. Yes, you heard me right. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. February 28th, uh, please come to check out Sadgasm and Some Kind of Nightmare live at the Space Concert Club. And uh, we're doing it for this program. We're going to be interviewing them in front of an audience. It's going to be a lot of fun. Please uh, come on down, check it out. I think you're going to have a good time. If you are interested in being a sponsor of this program, please consider doing so. We want to thank all of our sponsors, uh, Lip Bar, uh, J. Jean Portraits, and Peggy's Vegan Hot Sauce. Uh, you know, you, uh, all of you do excellent work in terms of, um, you know, uh, helping out with things that are cool and local and uh, giving a little support where it is needed and uh, it is much needed on our show so please if you like this and you want it to continue please uh, consider uh, helping us out austinrich at gmail.com I'd be happy to talk to you about all sorts of things that we do um, and uh, you know uh, keep your uh, eyes peeled for a Patreon link soon because I think we're almost ready to relaunch that ah uh, you know what can i say you guys are wonderful you guys are beautiful and without you there would be no program be seeing you to talk to you about because I heard a story about Watt from Pedro uh, and uh, the show uh, oh, yeah. playing some four-dimensional nightmare, which blew my mind because I love Watt from Pedro. <laughs> did, I, did I tell you that? I, I heard, well, I have, I've heard the second hand, so I want to oh. hear the story, yeah. <laughs> I'll have to ask you about the second hand telling. I didn't know you, you had any idea about that. I've actually been on there like four times. Nice! Um, and and he's a friend, and he's like my, probably my most famous friend. Um, Very cool. You know, I, as everybody else who ever met him says, he's like the nicest guy in the world. So well, and those records to me um, spoke so much, so much volumes about what punk rock could be, exactly. where you could go with it, how it wasn't constrained to just black flag loud and fast well, they always said and i really tried to take this to heart that punk is not a genre of music it is an attitude toward music yes and whether or not you're playing fast and loud or something else experimentally it's the fact that you got yourself a band and you put a house show together and people yeah. are running around and it's just that diy ethic that's more than just what's this style what's yeah. the big Kennedys? Well, how did you meet Watt? Because, I, I mean, I, I ran into him once in an airport, and oh. I, it was clumsy as hell. <laughs> I was pretty clumsy. Well, I saw, I was reading his webpage, mm -hmm. and I saw on there a really cool little essay from Charlie Plymel, the, uh, the artist, right. or the artist, the poet from the Beatnik years. Yeah, and he's, yeah. he's friends with Mike, apparently. Okay. And Charlie Plymel wrote... Uh, a review of the, the movie about them, about the Minuteman. Mm -hmm. The and We Jam Econo. Exactly, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. 
And I had written a song and recorded it about Dee Boone back when I used to do vocals, mm-hmm. which I used to do. <laughs> right, right. Um, we only heard the tiniest of samples of that little, in a performance a today. <laughs> it's usually pretty small. But anyway, I, I used to sing a lot. And I had a song about Dee Boone, about a dream I'd had after he passed away. Oh, wow. And um, I sent it to Mike Watt through the webpage. I never expected to hear back from him. And I did. And he wrote a really long, nice note saying... It was so, such a good song, and and it was so great that I was keeping our Boone and my alive in my art and whatever. And he asked if I wanted to have anything played, and then he asked again, then he asked again, then he asked again. So I just kept wow. sending him songs. And then when uh, not Firehose, but uh, the Missing Man mm-hmm. came to the Crocodile Cafe a few years ago, we made arrangements to meet beforehand and have a beer. Cool. And he, he, so he and his drummer sat with me for a while wow and now he still sends me emails he's like i was i was touring with Iggy pop and i was in japan i thought you might like this photo of my shoe <laughs> and he just sends it over every the, once the nicest gentleman he really in is. rock and roll he, really is. <laughs> he doesn't treat it like a celebrity or fan he treats it as a friend and a friend right well and and i mean that's what i've appreciated about oh god i just remember maybe i've told this story a million times before um, you know, going into the record store and getting double nickels on the dime ah. the same day I got generic flipper and, oh gosh, there was a uh, nation of Ulysses. What so, a day. And, and, I, and I, I knew of nation of Ulysses and I knew of the other two bands, but, uh, I didn't really know the songs. Minutemen mm-hmm. might be the thing I knew them best yeah. going in. And the clerk just looked at me. He's like, "You're gonna love. It. You're gonna <laughs> this have a great good, day. And I went home. I listened to those records. And uh, I mean, like, I remember immediately being grabbed by Double Nickels because, yeah. like, it's a how can you not? But then, like, the more you kind of dig into all three of those records, like, it just it changed me <laughs> right, right from that that glorious time. And who's okay? Who's who's doing was in our cave mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. that same year. That was a Glorious time. Yeah. I was there for a while. And I came to all that stuff much later, but I remember um, you'd hear these stories before you'd get these records. You know, you'd be yeah. like, oh, you know, Zen Arcade and uh, Double Nickels are like the, the call and response. And yeah. I'm like, really? <laughs> and <laughs> that then sounds interesting. When you listen to them, you kind of see what they're talking yeah. about, but it, they're both on completely different wavelengths. And they were friends, too. Yeah. They, they were both on SST. It's such a. Um, uh, I love these kind of notions of how charming it was that these bands that you know I grew up with thinking of is huge in my head mm-hmm. that they were probably just hanging out going like hey do you want to get a beer before the show oh yeah you, you, re- <laughs> you read about Black Flag who everybody knows about Black Flag and on their shows they were sleeping on people's floors sure, I mean, sure. it is a different world then WTBC